Welcome to Signal from the Noise by Podcast Notes, the best ideas from the world's best podcasts in minutes. Please enjoy the notes from the number 201, Inigo San Milan, PhD Part 2, Deep Dive Back into Zone 2, The Drive with Peter Atia episode of Drive with Dr. Peter Atia. Introduction. Insights from work with Tour de France winner Tade Pogacar. Tade Pogacar's unique characteristics can sustain high amounts of power output over long periods of time, recovers well, highly trainable. Functional threshold power, FTP, lactate measurements, and watts per kilo predict performance, you really know where you stand before the race. The Tour de France is won and lost in minutes when your ability to put out power really sets you apart. Algorithms and metrics that work with the general population don't always translate as well into professional athletes because they can mentally ignore a lot more and the sport of cycling has changed over time, watts and power output have decreased from the era drug use was rampant. It's feasible that the future of cycling will include real-time physiology and output metrics of riders. Tour de France racers like Tade spend 70-80% of the time in Zone 2 training during winter months and increase intensity as the race nears. Each energy system has a time in the calendar to achieve the desired output. What is Zone 2 training? Zone 2, the exercise intensity at which you are stressing mitochondria and oxidative capacity the most. Tenants of Zone 2 training recruits mainly type I muscle fibers, mobilizes the highest amount of fat oxidation, and stimulates bioenergetics, fat and glucose in mitochondria. Lactate is the preferred fuel for most cells in the body. Lactate is oxidized in the mitochondria back to energy. The purest way to estimate zone 2 training is indirect telemetry which will give us information about fat oxidation. Indirect telemetry, hook the device up to yourself then ride a bike or machine and gradually increase the intensity, measuring VO2 and VCO2. Consumption of oxygen production of carbon dioxide, which tells us total energy consumption, in kcal per minute. Ratio of VO2 and VCO2 tells us how much energy comes from fat oxidation and how much is glycolytic. In a more glycolytic state of fatty oxidation state, you still consume oxygen but don't produce as much CO2. As exercise intensity increases, you need more oxygen so VO2 increases then you give off more CO2. You are recruiting type 2 muscle fibers, using more glucose for energy consuming more oxygen, and produce more CO2. Mitochondria oxidize fuels differently at different exercise intensities. An elite athlete can still recruit slow-twitch muscle fibers at high intensities and rely on fat to produce energy while the average person fully relies on glucose, instead of fat, to sustain the effort. Nuances in Muscle Physiology, Lactate, and Fat Oxidation The independent variable is workload, in watts, the dependent variable is blood lactate. People with metabolic syndrome have high resting lactate, almost 2 millimoles, it's possible that resting lactate will eventually be a tracked biomarker, the same way we use blood glucose. Once lactate exceeds 2 millimoles you are leaving zone 2 and entering zone 3. A healthy person starts with lactate of about 1 millimole, an elite athlete starts at lactate of about 5 millimoles. The fitter the individual, the higher the absolute capacity for fat oxidation. The metabolic stress of an elite athlete is not the same as a recreational athlete or layperson at the same blood lactate. 2 millimoles of stress in an elite athlete might be higher than 2 millimoles of stress in the average person because of the intensity it takes the elite athlete to get to 2 millimoles in the first place.
the lactate in the blood reflects mitochondrial oxidation. Someone with high power output who needs a lot of glycolysis to produce energy will produce lactate. Lactate is a byproduct of glycolysis, the higher the glycolysis, the higher the lactate. Two routes of lactate, one, from fast twitch muscle fibers to slow twitch muscle fibers, two, export to blood. Every time you use glucose you produce pyruvate, every time that pyruvate will be reduced to lactate. No matter how fit you are, at some point, you have to produce lactate. When lactate can no longer be oxidized it's transported to the blood. Insulin-independent glucose uptake is heavily dependent on fitness fit type I diabetics hardly rely on insulin to transport glucose to muscle. Tip for type I diabetics, do not inject right before exercise because it will increase your risk of hypoglycemia. How to identify your zone 2 level? A reasonable measure of how zone 2 should feel. You can carry out a full conversation, maybe not as comfortably as if you weren't exercising, but still without much strain. You want to know your actual maximum heart rate. Zone 2 will be about 70 to 80% of your realized maximum heart rate. Zone 2 will depend on fatigue as well. Heart rate variability will be lower on days you are tired or didn't sleep well. Heart rate variability is actually a strong indicator of how hard you should push or back off exercise. When you don't have enough glycogen storage, it's possible that adrenergic activity is decreased. Hypothesis. When you have a decrease in glycogen stores, the brain needs glucose and takes over at the expense of everything else. Rest and recovery is key. When you're overworked, adjust the parameters of what success means in your training that day. New to Zone 2 training? Zone 2 really involves steady state, sustained cardio. Quote, you can accomplish very important mitochondrial adaptations and very important metabolic adaptations by exercising one hour, three to four days per week. Inigo San Milan. If you only train once per week, you will deteriorate over time. Two days per week you might maintain what you have, three days or more. You see improvements. Ideal parameters of zone 2. Ideally train one hour, 1.5 hours, 4x per week. If it's difficult to start out with one hour, start with less and work your way up. If you look at the workload of an elite athlete, most sessions are in lower intensity, it's not all about intensity and interval training. Incorporating other energy systems into exercise. Four pillars of fitness, one, stability, two, strength, three, low anaerobic or zone two, four, high intensity slash anaerobic capacity. VO2 max is highly correlated with longevity, Longevity is also highly correlated with mitochondrial function and metabolic health. High-intensity training is not sustainable over time, the same way extreme diets are not sustainable over time. High-intensity is critical for sustaining glycolytic capacity, especially as we age, but thankfully it can be improved in just a few months. Ways to incorporate high-intensity training 1. Add a fifth day of exercise dedicated to high-intensity in addition to your 4 zone 2 days. 2. Once per week add high-intensity bout after 60 to 90 minute zone 2 workout. Sample high-intensity protocol, 4-minute full effort, 4-minute recovery, 4 to 5 cycles. Supplements and use of metformin. Some studies point to elevated lactate levels in patients on metformin. Metformin carries a lot of potential long-term benefits but it's difficult to parse out effects on mitochondrial function. 
NAD levels decrease with aging, but many other metabolites are also downregulated with aging. Quote, taking NAD is not going to increase longevity. I don't think so. That's my opinion because longevity is not just one supplement or two or three or four or five. It's a compendium. Inigo San Milan. NR and NMN are precursors to NAD, but we should be cautious when considering a lot of fads come and go in longevity research. In studies, too much NAD encouraged tumor growth in cancerous mice. What if you have a tumor you weren't aware of and supplement with NAD? It could drive cell growth and proliferation. Long COVID patients. Patients with long COVID, even if previously healthy, end up looking mitochondrially like patients with type 2 diabetes in terms of fat oxidation and lactate production. Metabolic test results of patients with long COVID often have normal pulmonary function tests and normal cardiac function, but they struggle to go up a flight of stairs at 50 years old. Viruses hijack mitochondria for their benefit and reproduction. It's possible that's what COVID is doing in studies now. It's suspected that COVID produces a global insult to mitochondria, maybe in skeletal muscle, and leads to severe mitochondrial dysfunction, even one year later. Worth noting, the patients in Inigo San Milan studies had mild alpha-original COVID not requiring hospitalization. Observations of ICU patients The brain dies if the liver can't produce glucose continuously. You'd much rather err on the side of hyperglycemia than hypoglycemia under a period of stress Peter Atiyah. Muscles deplete glycogen because of high utilization but the liver has plenty of glucose because of gluconeogenesis. It's plausible that muscles eat themselves to feed themselves and the rest of the body, so getting some sort of load-bearing training, even moving extremities in bed, and supplementing with amino acids could improve outcomes. Two main parameters that are predictors of mortality in ICU-1, high cortisol levels, two high lactate levels. That wraps up the notes for this episode. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. Don't forget to go to podcastnotes.org and subscribe to our free newsletter. The Top 10 Ideas of the Week. Every Monday.